this is Jim, and welcome to another edition of the Holmes Politicast. I'll be your host today, and we have a lot to talk about, and I'm not kidding here either. Um, the first story we're going to talk about is from the Detroit Free Press. Uh, I won't go into a lot of details about this, but it is just an interesting story. It says the city of Flint, it's like Paul Egan, by the way. The city of Flint and other defendants agreed to settle water lawsuit as total boosted to $641.2 million. Uh, the city of Flint and two other defendants have joined a $600 million Flint water crisis settlement the state of Michigan announced in August, bringing the total value of the settlement in the lead poisoning case to $641. No. $641.2 million, attorneys announced late Tuesday. In addition to the city, McLaren Regional Medical Center and Rowe Professional Services, a city contractor, have agreed to settle the massive class action lawsuit, attorneys said. The hospital was sued in connection with an outbreak of Legionnaire's disease after the city switched its water source from Lake Huron to the Flint River. Also Tuesday, parties in the case said they presented 60 pages of settlement details to U.S. District Judge Judith Levy, who will now review the agreement as part of a motion for preliminary approval. Um, so anyway, the article is quite long, but it's on the Detroit Free Press if you want to read it. But this is something that we've been talking about for a while and wondering what was going to happen. Um, so, yeah, this is good news, uh, at least on the surface. We'll see what happens with that, what where it goes from here. Um, okay, as you – so the next story I want to talk about is also in the Detroit, Detroit Free Press. <clears throat> um, and I need a little uh, – <clears throat> need a little background on this. As you know, Governor Whitmer has invoked new – uh, emergency orders, which uh, was really sketchy. You know, she did this when when the uh, the legislature does their annual duck hunting trip. I mean, they've done this for long before Whitmer was on the scene. And they, uh, as soon as they left, then she invoked this emergency order for three weeks, claiming that the emergency arose and the legislature was out of town, so. Therefore, she had to do it. Of course, she could have brought it up before um, they left since she knew this was coming, but she waited until they were gone. And uh, this has, of course, created a huge backlash, and there even is some talk among legislatures of impeachment. So we're going to have to see how that goes. That would be uh, really interesting to see if that goes anywhere. Um, <clears throat> but here is the, the issue that has arisen, and that is that Whitmer says state can't do much to help laid off workers, calls for a stimulus pack. Hope regarding state help for restaurants and other workers who may lose their jobs as a result of new coronavirus restrictions announced Monday, saying Michigan's finances are also tight. That is why a new federal stimulus package is more essential than ever, Whitmer said. Whitmer said on a call with Capitol reporters 
She will join other Midwest governors from both political parties in making a joint appeal to Congress for help. Our resources are strapped. That's why the stimulus is so important, she said. She said unemployment insurance is available, but that help is very limited to what, compared to what it was early on in the pandemic when more federal help was available. On Sunday, Whitmer announced new coronavirus restrictions, which began Wednesday and are expected to last three weeks. That will close indoor service at bars and restaurants, shutter casinos, theaters, and bowling alleys, and place further limits on gyms while halting in-person schooling for high school and college students. It's not known how many people will lose work as a result of the new orders under Michigan's public health code. The maximum work can receive is $362 a week, compared to $962 a week under a federal stimulus package that included a $600 weekly supplement. With Congress unable to agree on a stimulus deal, Trump later authorized a new weekly supplement that was half that size. But that six-week measure was backdated to August 1st and has since expired. She is going to be joining governors from Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, Indiana, and Kentucky in making a joint plea to the president and Congress. Though some of those governors are Democrats and some are Republicans, we are all in the same boat, Whitmer said. Our restaurants and our restaurant workers are struggling. I mean, these are the kind of things that she needs to think about before she shuts down. I mean, I really think we're going to end up with a deep recession or depression next year because of these things. These businesses cannot continue to keep getting shut down. They get open and then they shut down. And I mean, I suppose, I don't know, even opening for a short time might be worse than just staying closed. I mean, you know, they get everything set up and they get everything going and they've ordered all of this, you know, like restaurants and theaters have ordered all of this product and food and everything that isn't going to last. I mean, it's not going to last just sitting on a shelf. And now all it's going to be wasted because in three weeks, a lot of that food will have expired that they bought. You know, they just can't have stuff sitting on the shelf. So they would have been better off for for them not to have reopened and then have her shut down everything again. You know, this is just getting absolutely ridiculous. I just, I don't understand as I talked about last week, I just don't understand what is going on with this virus. I just don't understand how it's working. I don't understand the waves. I don't understand what they're trying, what the Democrats are trying to accomplish with these shutdowns. How is this helping anything? Uh, uh, it seems like people are still getting sick at a rapid rate, regardless of, uh, of, of, whether they stay open or not, I, I just, I don't understand why only high schools and colleges have to be shut down, but not elementary schools. Like, are college-age students more likely to transmit the virus than a five-year-old? I mean, I don't, I, I, I just don't know. And, and it's just completely Orwellian to me. I just don't understand it. And Speaking of Orwellian, here is another issue that uh, we got to talk about, and that is the canceled Thanksgiving, which I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand 
why the Democrats shoot themselves in the foot all the time. Like, if they could have easily put out the word that people should not, they should be discouraged from eating indoors with people you don't live with. You know, that is a much more palatable argument. It's a guideline. It's it's something that can be helpful. You know, it's just not as safe to eat indoors with people you don't live with. Instead of cancel Thanksgiving. Like, why would they say cancel Thanksgiving? Why would they say something that controversial and worded in such a way instead of just saying, guys, we would discourage you from spreading the virus by eating indoors with people you don't live with. Whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's a birthday party, whether whatever, it's just not a good idea, and you should alter, you know, you should alter your plans if necessary. But it's just not safe. Instead, they go around saying, "Cancel Thanksgiving, cancel it. You shouldn't have Thanksgiving dinner." You know, I mean, it just it it is really hard to argue against the fact that it seems like the Democrats just don't like God and religion in general. You know, they're very quick to shut down the churches, but they don't mind protesters or, you know, things like that, or rioters are fine, but you can't have church, you know. Um, in California, you know, you, you can't sing hymns, you can't gather for church, you can't, um, you know, I mean, they're just very adamant that you can't sing. You can't sing at all. Um, they, uh, you know, they just, you know, and then they want to cancel Thanksgiving and they're saying um, that uh, Jake Tapper on CNN mentioning that there, there should be no Christmas this year. We should get rid of Christmas um, because of the virus. Um, you know, it, they just over and over again just seem like they are anti-religion. Uh, well, I should say anti-Christianity. I mean, you know, they don't have a problem with uh, Muslims or Jewish people. In fact, uh, the press made a big deal in New York when Mayor Bill de Blasio um, clamped down on synagogues. In, uh, you know, he put a quarantine and said that synagogues couldn't meet. And there was outrage. All over the media, all over the media, about him attacking Jewish people. There was all this, you know, that he needed to rescind that, that it's horrible. You can't do this to people. But yet, this has been going on with Christianity in California and New York and all across the Midwest, shutting down churches, and there's been not a peep. In fact, well, I should say there has been a peep, but it's all been about how horrible the pastors are for complaining and putting religion before before people's health and how defiant Christians are and you know and all this kind of stuff there hasn't been any talk about how wrong it is to not allow Christians to meet but there was non-stop complaints about what was happening to the Jews in New York when de Blasio shut down uh, an area he didn't shut down synagogues specifically he shut down an area of the town where there was an outbreak and it happened to have many synagogues and they petitioned and he said, no, we can't make any exceptions 
just for religion. And that became a huge story, you know, about how badly the Jews were being treated over there. So I just I just don't understand um, what what the Democrats are doing with this. I, I don't understand why they are making it seem so anti-Christian and anti-God. I just don't I don't I just don't get it. Now here uh, <clears throat> in the hypocrisy uh, chapter of our story, once again Governor Gavin Newsom from the People's Republic of California had, uh, you guessed it, he had a dinner party. Um, and they have photos. They brought the receipts this time. There are photos of, this is from Fox LA. Um, they, uh, they have photos of this event. And Governor Newsom, a couple of days ago, uh, apologized and said that uh, for having the meeting, but he said it was outdoors. And so therefore he wasn't subject to the same rules as he had put into place, banning all indoor gatherings. And Fox LA has photos here of the indoor Napa dinner party at a, what he called the French laundry. I don't know what that means. It doesn't look like a laundromat. So I'm not really sure what, if that's the name of a, a restaurant or something, but I don't know if I'd want to eat somewhere called the French Laundry. But anyway, the pictures here show the indoors. It was taken outside through the, the, the sliding glass doors. And the witness, a couple of witnesses who were there said that the group was so loud that they closed all the sliding doors so that they couldn't be heard from outside. So they really literally made it indoors. There isn't an argument because it's not like they say we kept the doors open. So therefore, you know, even though it wasn't technically indoors, there was still air coming in and no, no, not at all. They closed the doors so that people couldn't, so that because they were being so loud. Um, and, and again, this is just the hypocrisy. Um, just the hypocrisy in here. Uh, Governor Newsom, I have uh, Governor Newsom apologizes for attending party at French Laundry. He said, we're all human. We all fall, fall short sometimes. Well, why then? Why then are people in prison? If we all fall short sometimes because we're human, we all make mistakes, then there shouldn't be anyone in jail. They made a mistake. They're all human. We all fall short. Uh why are people being fined and arrested for, for crimes? You know, there's a reason because we just don't use the excuse that, oh, I'm human. We all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're not all perfect. So you need to forgive me because, hey, uh, I made a rule saying that nobody can meet. They can't even sing. They can't be loud. They can't gather together. But, and then, you know, oh, I just I just fell short when the party was indoors and I, I, I just didn't notice. I did, didn't pay attention, you know, to the rule that I actively campaigned for, told everybody about, gave them the, what the fines and things would be if they did this. And then, oh, man, I just fell short. I saw the indoor party. I didn't even think about about the fact that it's illegal right now. That's just a bunch of bull. Governor Newsom should be arrested. 
He should be arrested for violating this order. He should be recalled or impeached. This is just ridiculous. I've had it with the hypocrisy. Same thing with Nancy Pelosi and her little dinner parties at the Capitol and her little salon visit in the middle of a pandemic, not even wearing a mask, you know, when everything is shut down. I just, I just didn't realize. And then later claiming it was a setup. Yeah, I'm sure. Like she's just walking down the street and some person was like, hey, want to get your hair cut for free? I know a place. Come on inside. I'll sneak you in the back door. And then surprise, the you know, they're there to take pictures of her and trick her into coming in there. Nobody tricked her, you know. She asked to go there. She was not tricked by anybody. That woman needs to go. And that's, just, I just, Nancy Pelosi, okay, I, I got to say this about Nancy Pelosi. The woman needs to step down. She needs to resign, first of all. But if she doesn't resign, she needs to step down for speaker because aside from the fact that she's a horrible person and she's been there forever, and besides the fact that they lost seats under her watch, which traditionally for a long time, I don't know how long it's been, but I remember back even in the 90s, uh, Newt, Newt Gingrich, the Republican Speaker of the House, resigned as Speaker because the party lost seats in the House while he was Speaker. I mean, I don't know if it's a well-known fact. Um, it's it's well-known for those who follow politics. But in Washington, they have this unwritten rule that – or in the House of Representatives, they have this unwritten rule that the majority le – the, the leader of both parties are in charge of getting – of winning seats for that party in the House. So the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy – um, is in charge of making sure Republicans gain seats in the House of Representatives. And Nancy Pelosi, who is Speaker of the House, but the, basically the majority leader, um, is responsible for gaining seats, Democratic seats, in the House. So that's why if you lose seats and you are the party in power, the party leader, which in this case would be Nancy Pelosi, resigns because they failed their party. They failed to gain seats. Newt Gingrich resigned when he uh, when this happened under his watch. It happens frequently. It doesn't happen all the time because typically they do gain seats. Um, but so that so that in alone, Nancy Pelosi should step down as speaker because they lost seats under her watch. They lost seven seats. They only have a very flimsy majority. But she should also step down because. Two years ago, when they won the uh, the majority, she stood for re-election as or she stood for re for election as speaker, and she was challenged by many younger progressives who said that she was too old and she needed to step down. And her argument was that now is not the time. They were in the middle of the government shutdown with Donald Trump over the wall, and she said now is not the time for novices and and un, um, inexperienced people. She said, let me have the speakership this year, this term, so I can take on Donald Trump. And I promise you, in two years, I will not run for speaker. She said that. I will not run for speaker. If you all just endorse me this time so we can defeat Donald Trump, I will not run again. And now she's running again, which shows that Nancy Pelosi is her word is not worth anything.
So now even she's she's lied to the Democrats. She's she's lying to her own party. They should expel her immediately. So, all right. Anyway, but these little dinner parties are just ridiculous. And notice, and notice it's the Democrats who keep doing this. You're not seeing this in Republican states. Even the states that are implementing policy, like Mike DeWine in Ohio is a Republican. He had to put in a 10 o'clock curfew. They are, they are inundated with cases in Ohio. But yet you're not seeing Mike DeWine holding dinner parties. You're not seeing him attend these big lavish rallies and parties and all these other things. He's actually, um, you know, he's, he's actually uh, following the rules that he set for other people. You're only seeing this with, with these horrible, horrible liberal people who have laws for the, for the average person and they have a different set of laws for themselves. And it, it just aggravates me because they keep forgetting who is the boss and who is the employee. They are not the boss. They are the employee of the people. They don't. There are certain situations where you do have to do policy that the people don't like. I'm not saying that they never should. But the point is, they don't get to make laws for us, and then they, don't, they aren't affected by the law. I mean, again, it, it is like hiring a servant in your home, a butler who refuses to buttle. You know, he's a butler and he sits there with his feet propped up eating ice cream. And when the doorbell rings, he says, I'm not getting that, that door. You go get it. You know, I'm just going to sit here, you know, eating your food in your house, watching your TV, but I'm not going to work. I'm not going to serve you. That's not my job. You know, the kitchen staff will feed you gruel and they're eating lobster and steak in the back room. But, you know, you're getting oatmeal every night for, for dinner. Because, well, you know, we're on a budget. We can't, we can't just feed you what you want. You know, we've got to feed you what we can afford. But we're going to have a, we're going to have a lavish dinner party for ourselves in the, in the kitchen. No, that's not how it works. You work for me. If anyone's even eating a lavish meal, I'm going to eat the lavish meal and you're going to eat the oatmeal in the kitchen. If you don't like it, go find another mode of work. You know, and that's the same thing. There's no reason for them to be having lavish parties and, and drinking champagne and, and eating lobster and steak, which they do all the time. While the American people are on budgets, we're out of work, we don't have jobs, and they tell us, well, we can't afford, you know, like Whitmer there, we're on a tight budget, we can't afford to pay you any money, we're gonna shut down businesses and you're not gonna have a job, and you're not gonna know how you're gonna pay your bills, how you're gonna feed your family, or how you're gonna afford your house payment, but, you know, we're on a budget, we can't give you any relief. Meanwhile, she's got three houses and flying around in her helicopter and, you know, and she's not, she's not worried about what she's going to eat. She's got plenty of food for her and for the legislatures. They all have plenty to have. It's the rest of us that are suffering. No, we are the boss. You guys are not the boss. You don't get to live better than we do. You don't get to have free health care and, and, uh, these nice, um, Retirement plans and, you know, pensions and, you know, uh, you know, and lavish food and all these other things. And you don't get to have all that while we're suffering. This reminds me of like the French, you know, the let them eat cake with Marie Antoinette, where the peasants were starving 
the people were starving and they were eating lavishly and they were dining and had all the great food and clothes and and everything and pretty soon you know what happened to them the peasants revolted and they killed the leaders and i'm not calling for the killing of these people but i'm saying you're going to invoke enough anger that the people are going to revolt at some point and it's not going to be pretty um you know so you just they need to stop they need to stop it um another issue uh i'll just touch on quickly is madison cawthorn a republican i don't know where he's from actually he was just elected to the house at 25 years old he's the youngest elected member of the house of representatives anyway he did an interview which i don't know why any republican would do an interview anymore you just stop doing interviews if you want to talk about policy that's one thing because you do need to talk to your constituents but the minute they start asking anything else other than policy questions you just need to shut them down because the press is not your friend the press is not out there to help you they are not your PR firm they are for the Democrats but it is not true for the Republicans do not if you're a Republican do not talk to the press about anything they are not your friend they don't they're not looking out for you they're not going to put out a, a, a biography of you they are not your friend but it's Madison Cawthorn an evangelical Christian I don't know all the details I know he lost his legs but I'm not sure all of those details but anything anyway he did an interview uh like his uh i don't know they got the first interview but they have a nice fun fun name for it like inaugural interview or something with members of the press and he they got onto the topic of his religion which normally you would be free to talk about and you'd enjoy talking about your religion i would love talking about it any christian I know would love to talk about their religion and and what God has done for them and and all these kind of great things but he fell into it he fell into the trap as they asked him about religion and he talked about uh, uh, spreading the gospel he talked about spreading the gospel and he said at one point that um, he finds it easier to talk to atheists than he does to try to convert Muslims or Jews. And he just said it's it's just an interesting thing that people's religion is very important to them and and that you know when he's out evangelizing, it it is much more difficult to evangelize to people who already have faith in a different religion, like the Jews and like the Muslims. Immediately the press went wild that he was attacking Jews and Muslims and how dare he this was this was what some of them said how dare he try to tell Jews and Muslims that their religion is not true religion that he is an anti-semite he is a Islamophobe he's telling those people that their religion isn't as good as his that their religion is somewhat inferior and that he has the superior religion you know that this is just another example of his white supremacist his white supremacy his islamophobia and his anti-semitism and then said he's basically just adolf hitler because that's the kind of mentality adolf hitler had my way or you get put in the concentration camps madison cawthorn didn't say anything about concentration camps he didn't say anything about how 
these people are horrible, our whites are supreme. He just said he's, he, you know, he just talked about evangelizing to different groups and they went wild. And now he's trying to backtrack, you know, he's trying to figure out what he can say, you know, to show that he's not a homophobe or not a, not a homophobe, Islamophobe. And okay, you got burned. Learn your lesson, Madison. Do not talk to the press about anything. It's like in the army, if you get taken by the enemy, just give them your name, rank, rank, and serial number. You don't say anything else to them. Same thing. If the press wants to talk to you, you talk to them about policy, and that's it. You don't tell them anything about your personal life. Don't tell them about anything about yourself because they will twist it and turn it into a horrible story about what a horrible individual you are and just it, it, it's just pathetic don't if you have a chance to talk to the media any of you christians or republicans don't talk to them about anything other than the topic at hand um the other story um i don't trying to see here if I had it. Oh, yeah. Um, the two go hand in hand. One of them is from The Hill, and it's about Arizona parents sue to allow changing gender on birth certificates without surgery. Um, I'm not going to read the article because it is just so ridiculous. Um, well, maybe I will just read a tad bit. But it's from The Hill. And this is just ridiculous. This is once again, do do they even care about children anymore? Do Democrats even care about children? I could make an argument that they don't. They are in favor of infanticide or, or abortion, as it's called. They're they are in favor of um, making pedophilia a protected class of orientation. They this transgender nonsense is just ridiculous. Anyway. Three Arizona, three Arizona families, I thought it was just one, have reportedly filed a lawsuit to allow their children to change the gender listed on their birth certificates without gender-affirming surgery. Um, gender-affirming surgery is just a fancy word for a sex change. I mean, it's just disgusting. Um, the legal guardians are challenging the Arizona Department of Health over a state law on behalf of three unnamed children including a 13-year-old transgender boy, which means a girl, and two transgender girls, meaning two boys, who are 10 and 6. The lawsuit filed last week alleges that surgeries can end up not being needed if a transgender person takes drudge, drugs to stop puberty and its associated changes. The lawsuit points to the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic manual that says children can develop gender dysphoria after becoming aware of their gender between the ages of two and five. I'm done. This is so ridiculous. I have had it. I have just had it. This, this is beyond stupid. This is crazy. I cannot believe that this is even being considered in the 21st century. This sounds like something that would be done. In ancient, you know, Egypt or someplace, or or one of these third world countries back years ago, or 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 like China, 
which has a one-child policy, and everybody wants to have a boy because they're better, uh, they are more valuable than a girl. So if you have a girl, you might try to pass her off as a boy because, you know, you don't want the government to know that you had a girl um, because she wouldn't be worth as much and her life wouldn't be worth as much. Um, or like I said, back in ancient times when, when women, even in ancient Israel, when women were, were treated worse than dogs, I mean, they had no rights. I can understand then maybe the idea of trying to make girls into boys, you know, so that they are treated better and they have a, you know, a better life and, and, and are, are protected by laws and things like that when they're children. Um, you know, I can understand that maybe. But in the 21st century America, there is absolutely no reason why a child should have be taking drugs to stop them from age progression. I mean, from puberty, that, that, that stops them from growing it. I mean, you know, aside from just stopping gender related, gender associative um, things as they put in there, it, it stops your growth. I mean, hormones help you to grow. You know, they, they, you know, that's how kids get taller. You know, hormones aren't all for sexual related things. Hormones help you to grow. They help, you know, you help your muscles to grow, your bones to grow. They, you know, they help develop you mentally, you know, as you get older. Um, you know, they are destroying these kids' lives. And it ended up even being worse than I thought. I mean, I thought it was just the ridiculousness of wanting to change the birth certificate. But it ends up being that they are... Um, they are abusing these children. This is a form of child abuse. And these parents should be in prison. They should not be roaming the earth, reproducing, voting. I don't even know how they're allowed to drive a car if they're this stupid. They should not be in the general populace. They, they should be locked up somewhere for abuse. The, you know, anyway. I, I can't even, I, I don't have the words to uh, explain how angry this makes me. And then it leads us to the last point, And that is, um, it was uh, Vogue magazine. Vogue magazine. This magazine for women and women fashion, mind you. Not that I've read the magazine myself, but uh, I've seen it before. Um, Vogue magazine had Harry Styles. Uh, I wouldn't blame you for not knowing who Harry Styles is. He is a British singer and teen idol. Like girls, that, well, I suppose girls. I started to say boys too, but no, it's really just girls. Just go wild over Harry Styles. I mean, they're, um, he used to be in the band One Direction and they've kind of gone their own way now and he has a, solo career and for the first time in Vogue's history they decided to put a man on the cover of a woman's fashion magazine and they chose Harry Styles but here is the twist that in itself 
I suppose, isn't earth-shattering. But here's the kicker. He's wearing a dress on the cover of the magazine. And the response was from the liberal lunatics. The response was, this is absolutely a game changer. This was a blow to masculinity. This was an important step. So young girls see Harry Styles and they know that it is not unmanly to wear a dress, that, that the gender roles that, that our parents and grandparents followed are no longer the norm. Men can wear dresses and still be sexy. And, um, you know, this was a blow to the patriarchy. And this was, oh, it's just unbelievable. This should be in the Smithsonian Institute, you know, because this is just so historic and so wonderful. They could not stop talking about how great it was that Vogue put Harry Styles in a dress on the cover of Vogue. So then, because they made such a big deal about it, Ben Shapiro and other uh, conservatives said, this is an abomination. You put him on the cover here, and it sends confusing messages. It's abhorrent. It's uh, really nasty. It's, it's, you know, just all these different things. And then, and then the, the, the liberals jumped all over the conservatives for being transphobic and homophobic and making a big deal. Um, and they said stuff like, I remember them saying this about Ben Shapiro, that it's a dress, dude. My God, get over it. Why are you making such a big deal about a dress? Come on. You know, and Matt Walsh, who works for, uh, I get confused between the Daily Beast and the Daily Wire. One of them is Republican and one of them is more liberal. Matt Walsh works for the Republican one. I want to I want to say it's the Daily Wire, but um, anyway, but he had a really good thought on this, which I'll share. And it and it is this. He says this was on his Twitter feed. He says it is amazing. How often the left succeeds in presenting a thing as both revolutionary, important, and world-changing, and also totally banal, normal, and not worthy of attention. It's a mind game, but they're very good at playing it. And that is so true. I, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way until he said it, and then I remembered that is exactly what the Democrats do. They make a big deal about something. It is a world-changing event. It is amazing. And then when they get criticism for it, then they laugh at the conservatives and say, I can't believe you're making such a big deal over nothing. Like I said there, you know, he was wearing a dress. There are bigger issues in the world. My God, we have a pandemic and we have an economic crisis booming and we have, you know, all these horrible things going on in the world. And you're obsessing over a guy in a dress. Come on. It's nothing. Big deal. Move on. And yet, when he put on the dress, they talked about it. This was life-changing. This was the biggest event since, you know, since the birth of Christ. I mean, this was just amazing. And the left does that over and over again. It's a trick. It's a trick that they play. It's like Lucy holding the football out for Charlie Brown and then pulling it away at the last minute. And Charlie Brown falls for it every time. 
and the conservatives fall for it every time. But I don't know what else you do if you ignore it. You know, you almost your silence is almost uh, uh, giving credence to it. It's almost consent to what they're doing. But it's a game that they play over and over, and conservatives fall for over and over. And we got to find a way to do this in a in a unique way that we're not going to be tricked because they do that. They make it a big deal. And then they force the conservatives to come out and denounce what they've said. And then they ridicule the conservatives for making a big deal over nothing. You know, there are so many more important things to be talking about. And these lunatic Republicans, they're obsessing over something as small as, you know, a Vogue magazine. Who cares? How many of these guys read Vogue anyway? You know, they're, they're making such a big deal. You know, so it's just... It's just a real problem that we have, but there is so much more we could talk about, guys. I mean, seriously, there is so much more that we could be talking about right now because I thought, you know, I was talking to some friends the other day and I thought, I'm not really sure what we're going to talk about on the podcast after the election is over because, you know, that was a big part portion of what I was talking about. I mean, Tom always has some unique takes on things and. He always seems to find really interesting stories. But for me, I've really been talking about politics a lot for the past, you know, four or five months. And now I remember I was talking to people and saying, I'm really not sure what I'm going to find to talk about. Because once the election's over, the media is really, you know, once Trump's gone, the media is going to kind of go back to their old self and the president can do no wrong and, and we should all listen to the government. And, you know, our president is is sent from God. And, and if you oppose Biden, you're opposing Jesus and God and all these other things. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm really not going to know what to talk about because they're not going to cover kids in cages or, you know, protests and riots and, and police shootings and things like that. I mean, it's just going to be pretty boring, but uh, I got to hand it to the Democrats. They continue to give us fuel for fire. Um, you know, so there's actually so much going on right now that I'm not even able to talk about it all in one show. So, um, so I'm really excited about what happens now. I mean, I was, I wasn't looking too forward to when the election was over for the purpose of the podcast. I wasn't sure if it would become boring, you know, and we're just trying to find things to talk about, or I, I'm just trying to find things to talk about week after week, scouring the, the, internet just hoping to find some little thing but no the democrats now that they uh, are taking the white house are going crazy again um so we're gonna have lots to talk about we got to keep the faith and just stay strong so anyway i will uh that's gonna be it for our show today and i'll talk to you here real soon bye y'all